Welcome to Sulphur Springs Baptist Church Sermon Audio. For more information, please visit our website at sulphurspringsbc.com. Appreciate this uh, special time this morning. And um, I just want to highlight to you or draw your attention to um, the glory of God revealed in these little, in these little babies. Um, you know, you, we, to state the obvious, we believe that God formed their little hands and formed their little feet and gave them the air that, in their body, the ability to breathe and, and formed all their little cells. And, and uh, it's an amazing thing when you think about the formation of a child and God as the, the potter of that clay. And uh, I'm thankful for God blessing these families with those children and appreciate the charge that Pastor James has given to them. And I just emphasize that charge to uh, teach your children uh, the things of God, to point them to Christ and of course, I can't speak from a parent's perspective as of yet, but uh, I know as a child, and, and each of you know how, how meaningful it is to you to know that you had parents that pointed you to Christ and, and uh, how that impacted your life and how they can do no greater thing for you as your parent than to point you to Jesus and to teach you about your sin, but to teach Him how, teach you how He is your Savior and how He will redeem you and give you victory and forgiveness. And uh, I'm thankful to see our church growing in that capacity. And of course, that's a great blessing for me and, and what an opportunity we have as a church to be able to be a part of their, uh, their raising, to be able to show them the love of God and to care for them. And uh, as James's leadership and the baby dedication demonstrated, we have a role in that. And um, it's our duty as a church to emphasize the things that their parents should be teaching them at home and uh, that we all work together and that pray that God would one day make his word real in their heart and bring them to faith in him. And I'm thankful for His grace that will do those very things. If you have your Bible, though, I'm going to ask you this morning, if you will, to turn with me to Galatians. Galatians chapter number 3. And as you do, and before it slips my mind, I mentioned it Wednesday, but I want to this morning as well. For those that may, maybe were not here on Wednesday, um, for everyone that came to the revival service earlier this week or last week on Monday, I just want to say thank you. And uh, I appreciate each one that came, each one that prayed for me. And... Um, your support means, means the world to me, and I don't take that for granted, and, um, and I'm thankful and I'm grateful uh, for my church family here at Sulphur Springs, so thank you for each one that took the time and effort to come to that service. I know you have busy lives and work, and you had work the next day, I'm sure, and uh, so I'm just grateful, and I want you to know that. But Galatians chapter number 3, we're going to begin reading in verse number 21, and we'll read through verse number 25 this morning and uh, study the word of the Lord together here. If you will, as you find your place, I'll ask you to stand with me in honor and reference to the word of the Lord. The Bible says, Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your kindness. God, we thank you for this wonderful day. Lord, how it's encouraged our hearts to see your blessings. God, how it's encouraged our hearts to see families uh, God commit to serving their children, to raising their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, and 
God, we're thankful for the challenge we have as a church to be a support to these families, God, to be a support to these children. And I pray that you'd help us to serve that role as you would have us to, Lord. God, help these children one day to put their faith in Christ and be saved and be converted and become followers of Jesus Christ who would serve you in this world and advance the kingdom of God. Lord, I pray now that as we study your word together, you'd help us to have a hunger for the truth. God, I pray that you would uh, touch the preaching of your word with your power, God, that it would become the meditation of our heart. God, that we would leave this service and continue to think about what we've studied. God, it wouldn't just be that we hear the message and go home and, and it's never thought of again. It has no impact. It has no lasting value. But God, I'm glad this morning I preach in the confidence that your word is living, powerful, and active, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And Lord, it will accomplish exactly what you intend for it to today. And Lord, I preach in the courage of that promise. God, I pray that you would help remove all distractions and other things that might have people's focus and minds this morning. God, if there's someone here today that's lost, Lord, and they have never put their faith in Christ and never understood that salvation is by faith and by faith alone, God, I pray today that your word would begin to open their eyes, God, and they would see that their only hope is Jesus. And, Lord, they wouldn't turn away the hope that they have in him. Father, we love you today. We thank you for first loving us. And all these things we ask in the name that's above every name. Amen. Thank you for standing this morning. I don't think that anyone would argue with me in saying that the greatest day in your life is the day that you are saved. It's by far the most important day in your life. Of course, the day you are married is a very important day. The day that your children are born is a very important day, and a day that you'll never forget. But the most important day in your life, the most significant day in your life, is the day or the moment you can go back to where you were saved and born again or made alive in Christ Jesus. The question that I want to raise to you this morning to give us a keen interest in our text is how well do you understand your salvation? If we say, and again, I don't think anyone would disagree with me or argue with me, that that is the most important thing in your life, the most important moment in your life. My question is how well do you understand what took place in your life in that moment? How well do you understand the, the process or the, the, the standing of your redemption? Well, the text is going to continue as the whole book of Galatians has to develop our understanding of, sorts, of such an important matter in our life. As we have learned through the book of Galatians, what, what, what drove Paul to write the book is the Galatians did not understand it very well. We know that because they had began to turn to the wrong place, the wrong thing for their salvation. False teachers had come into the congregation and convinced them that there was another gospel, as Paul puts it in chapter number 1. And they were not rooted and grounded in the truth. As Nathan was singing, he said a, word, or a phrase in his song talking about hoping that DJ and Chelsea's son would walk in the truth. And that's what we want to do as, 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 human, as human beings. We want to walk in the truth. And we know that God is the source of truth. And Paul wrote this letter to the Galatians because they were not rooted and grounded in truth. They began to look to the law for their hope. They began to look at circumcision as their hope. And I tell you this morning that a primary concern of my heart as your pastor is to make sure that you are rooted and grounded in the truth. Me as a Christian myself, outside of the fact that I'm a pastor, I want to live and walk in the truth. I want to be rooted and grounded in the truth. I don't want to live my life based on falsehoods. And I believe it's my calling as your pastor, as the pastor here at Silver Springs Baptist Church, to do my best that you don't live and that you don't walk and you don't base your life upon 
falsehood. So we preach and we study the Word of the Lord. And Paul's heart was the same for the Galatians. They had started to build their life on a false salvation. And Paul couldn't let that be. He couldn't let that continue. He had to bring them back to the truth. And here's the truth. Here's the message that continues to be stressed in Galatians over and over and over again. And it is that salvation is by faith. That is something this morning, there's a lot of uncertainties in life, a lot of things, even theological things that you and I can debate on things that you might have a perspective and you can give validity to it through Scripture where it's not black and white and somebody else may have a different viewpoint and there's also Scripture evidences that might make you lean that way. But there, are, there is one thing that you can have nailed down in your heart as truth and as unshaking and as unchanging and it is that salvation is by faith alone in the work of Christ at Calvary. And the book of Galatians has emphasized that to you and I over and over again. But for the Galatians, due to their misunderstanding of the law, the law discouraged this truth. They thought that the law was contrary to the promise of God, which was justification by faith. But I want you to know this morning that a correct understanding of the law does not contradict grace, but it enforces the fact that salvation is by faith. And Paul is going to explain this now to the Galatians. I think understanding the text this morning hinges on this question. Verse number 21, is the law then against the promises of God? Did God provide a way of salvation that was by works and then the gospel which is a salvation by faith? Does, did, does God contradict himself? Does, does God confuse us and did he at one point say this and then at one point he's saying this and then... They're not in harmony together with each other. Well, Paul's answer to that question is this. God forbid. May it never be so. God does not contradict Himself. The law does not teach that salvation is by works or was ever by works. It's a bad or poor understanding of the Galatians that caused them to lean that way. Which is why it's important for us to study these verses so that we can be rooted and grounded in the truth and not begin to look at other places for our salvation. And specifically in terms of the law, this morning, understanding it again, will continue to stress the idea to you and I, the truth that salvation is by faith. So first of all, this morning in verse number 21, understand that the law did not bring righteousness. It's how we know that salvation is by faith, that the law did not, should not confuse us. The law should not make us feel as if salvation is by any other thing than faith in Jesus. He says... For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. Well, righteousness is the approval of God. It is justice. It's being in a right standing with God. It means that God looks at you and would declare that you have done nothing wrong, that you are right, that you are living and acting and thinking in the way that you should, in the way that is right. And if the law brought this, then in the Old Testament you and I would have seen righteousness. Well, how do, we, how do we know that righteousness did not come by the law? We know because of the Scriptures, verse number 22 says, but the Scripture hath concluded all under sin. Look back to the Old Testament when the law was given. Do you see righteousness within its pages? Of course, we see people who who honored God in many of their decisions. We see people who pursued God in many ways, but 
within the pages of the Old Testament, you see murder, you see sexual immorality, you see coveting, you see lying, you see rebellion towards God. The law did not bring righteousness. The law did not bring life. The Scripture reveals a very different story. What Scripture reveals through the law is that man failed the law. That man did not keep the law. The law really revealed the evil of our hearts. Because God's law set a standard. God says in righteousness, this is what righteousness looks like. This is how life should look according to my perfect righteousness. And over and over and over again, man failed and trespassed against that law. So the law did not bring life. In fact, the scripture concludes that all are under sin. Concluded, and probably if you use a different version than the King James Version, you'll see a word that is more uh, synonymous or more similar to the word imprisoned, is what the word means. It speaks of being under the power of something else. So if you read again the verse with that in mind, but the scripture hath imprisoned, or the scripture hath brought all things under the power of sin. That's where you and I are under the law. We're in prison to sin. We're under the power of sin. Romans chapter number 3 is a great passage, a great parallel passage to look at to emphasize the point of what Paul is saying in Galatians 3. Romans 3 in verse number 9 says, For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. The text of Romans 3 goes on to say, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and listen, and that all the world may become guilty before God. The point of the law is to show you and I our guilt. That God expects this, and we did not meet the expectations. That we failed. Scripture also says, by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law is meant to not to try to make, not so you and I can feel like we are upstanding, that we keep it, that we are good. The law is meant to show us what God expects and how much we miserably fail to meet those expectations. How unrighteous we really are. Whether you realize it this morning, if you have never put your faith in Christ and listened to the text, the scripture, God is saying that all are under its power, all are under its influence, and all are trapped within it. When I looked at that word, it spoke of having four walls around you as being surrounded. That's the picture of you and I before we are made alive in Christ. We are surrounded by sin and we are under its power. You say, well, but I've never, I've never been out on the streets, I've never done this, I've never done that, that a lot of people think of when they think of the, the power of sin, and I, I've never been addicted to anything, I've never been under the control of these influences, but listen again to the word of the Lord, you are under sin and under its power. Sin is not something you can escape in and of yourself. Sin is not something you can avoid as far as, well, I stay away from this and I don't go to this place and I don't say this and I don't drink that and I don't listen to this and I don't watch this or I don't go here. You don't avoid sin. We are all under its power. We're all trapped by it. But listen, in that prison cell of sin, in that 
dim and gloomy picture, God has provided a promise. And here's that promise. The promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Paul declares there that there is one way out of this imprisonment of sin. One way. You must believe. You must believe that justification or righteousness comes through Jesus Christ. That as, I, as I studied these verses, my heart went back to Luke chapter 7 that I preached at Three Forks, if you were there. That woman, the sinful woman who many commentators said was a prostitute, but the, the text itself calls her a sinner. And she had come to the very end of herself. She had no righteousness to offer. She had come to realize that. She had nothing good to bring. She had nothing good to hold on to. She had no righteousness of herself. And she had come to realize that. And so she comes to Jesus. She believed in Him. That's the point of the law. That we might believe. We can say... Lord, you have set your expectations. God, you have set your standard. And Lord, I have failed. I know that my only hope is in Jesus. And God has given the promise that if you put your faith in Him, then this justification by faith, righteousness which you need, will be given to them that believe. The law, again, does not discourage Salvation by faith, it encourages it because the law proves that we're all under the power of sin. And if you don't believe the gospel, you have no other hope. You have no other means of righteousness. I like what the Life Application Study Bible said. It said the law teaches us the need for salvation. God's grace gives us that salvation. The point of the law is not for you to try to use it to attain your own righteousness. It's to show you that you are not righteous. To bring you to the place to... Admit and confess, I have no good in myself. I must believe on Jesus. So then he goes on in verse number 23, again emphasizing that the law does not contradict God's promise of salvation by faith. The law was meant to bring us to Christ. He says in verse number 23, but before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under the faith which should, have, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law is our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. He says, but before faith came. Now, we read in previous weeks in Galatians that justification has always been by faith. Even for Abraham, he had believed the promises of God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. But so what does he mean, before faith came? He's speaking of before the, the coming of the Lord Jesus into the world, before his incarnation, before his death, burial, and resurrection, before His atonement at Calvary, we were kept under the law. The word speaks of being in custody or guarded or under the control of the law. The word shut up at the middle part of verse 23 in the King James Version is the same word as concluded in verse number 22. Again, meaning to be locked up or imprisoned or shut in. The law was to be binding and authoritative over our lives until Jesus came. You say, preacher, that's kind of confusing. Well, Paul in verse 24 is going to give you an illustration to kind of help you understand the, the purpose and the function of the law. Why did, why did God give it? If it was not to be confused, if it was not to direct our attention away from, from believing in Him and His promises, why did God give the law? 
Well, verse 24, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. The word schoolmaster is a word that's hard to translate into English because we don't really have anyone in our culture that serves the same function of what Paul is referring to here in this verse. The term speaks of a young boy's guardian or tutor. They were authorized, this individual that Paul is referring to was authorized to train up a child. They did a lot to promote the, the development of the child. As John MacArthur explains, this individual would escort the child to and from school and they watched over their behavior. So the, that was the function of the law. It, was as a, it served as a disciplinarian before Christ came. And it was to serve in that role to bring us. If you notice the, in your Bible, to bring us or the words that are translated in that same place are probably in italics, meaning that there's, there's not words in the Greek that back up those words. Those words have been filled in by translators. So if you take those out, it says, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster unto Christ. The law served, the law was active, the law was functioning until Christ came. Again, so that we might be justified by faith. The law was not to be our means of justification. The Spirit of God now lives in us as His children and serves as our disciplinarian and serves as our leader, serves as our tutor or our guardian. It's no longer the law. Paul was stressing again over and over that circumcision is not needed to be saved. There are no add-ons. And you and I in our day, our culture has changed, times have changed, and circumcision is not the thing that people look to. Circumcision, I doubt anybody in here places much, much hope, much anchorage in circumcision. But I have met many Christians who place anchorage and who place hope and who place assurance in a lot of other things besides simply putting their faith in Jesus. For some, it's the way they dress. For some, it's the, the music they listen to. For some, it's... The Bible they carry, it's many different things that people find assurances in. But your assurance can be in nothing else but Jesus Christ. That you are justified, that you are made right in the sight of God by faith. That you hold to the fact that Christ, when he died at Calvary, died for you. Died for your sins. And took your place. And then Paul says plainly, teaches that the law is no longer our Guardian, it's no longer the, the most binding authority over us. He says, but after faith has come, after Jesus Christ came, lived, and was crucified and rose again, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. We're no longer under the disciplinarian rule of the law. The law is not the most binding and bearing principle over our life, the gospel is. The law is no longer the most, should, should no longer be the most emphasized thing in our life, the gospel is. But the law does not discourage salvation or justification by faith. God this morning does not work against himself. And God has never been unclear that the only way for you to be made right in his sight is by believing in him. The law emphasizes this truth as much as anything else because the law shows you and I how imperfect we really are and should bring us to the point of like the sinful woman. If you wasn't at Revival Monday night, I challenge you to go read Luke 7 because you'll see there a woman who has been brought to the end of her righteousness. 
who has realized that she has no hope, but that Jesus might forgive her. The law urges us to look to Christ because we see how miserably we have failed it. The law causes us to see our unrighteousness, but I'm glad because Jesus Christ will clothe us in His. Because we can never have our own. If you will, this morning I'll ask you to stand and our musicians can come around. I want to challenge you this morning, if you've never put your faith in Christ, I want to invite you this morning to come and do that very thing. I want you to hear the emphasis of Paul's teaching yet again. Say, preacher, the messages have been sounding very similar. Well, as we've been just trying to follow the text, and I think you should hear the emphasis and take note of that. The salvation by faith, justification by faith is our anchor. That from our life of faith to grow, that has to be the starting point. We have to have that right. And something that has been birthed in me and something that I want to, to become real in your heart is that all other things that you, that you trust in, that you look to, that, they, that those areas of where you feel like you have attained some sort of righteousness, that all those things should be stripped away so that you see that Jesus has your only hope. Because then you can love Him like we should. Then we can be devoted to Him like we should. When you realize that the nice clothes you wear, the gospel music you try to listen to, the, the places that we think of as, as sinful and evil that you try to stay away from, none of those things amount to anything as far as righteousness goes. You have one place where you can stand firm, and that's in the righteousness of Christ. And if you're lost, of course, I want you to hear the gospel message this morning. You have hope. Say, I've been in a lot of places, preacher. All those places you're referring to, I've been there. All those things you're talking about doing, I've done them. Well, listen, it, that doesn't disqualify you. Salvation is by faith. Put your faith in Christ, and you too can be redeemed. You too can have his righteousness and leave here with new life in Christ. If God has dealt with your heart and you need to respond in this immediate hour, I encourage you to do so, to be obedient to him. As Miss Heather comes around and leads us in a song.
believe if I do a even halfway job at bringing out the truth in Galatians then that will become the genuine song of our heart. I'd rather have Jesus than any other thing and uh, I'm thankful for him this morning, our Redeemer and uh, thankful for his truth today. Um, I want to, uh, as we close our service this morning, if you are uh, in school, if you're uh, even if you're a college student and you're with us today, if you don't mind to come here to the front um, and just stand here not to put you on the spot too bad. You're not going to have to say anything. We just want to pray for you and, and have a special time of prayer for you. So if all of our uh, younger people would come up, if you're a school teacher, then you can come on up too. And, uh, and we'll just have you come up here and you can stand. And, and we'll, I'll, as we close our service this morning, I'll pray for everyone. So if y'all want to come on around and uh, give you a few minutes and just encourage each of you to pray for them this week especially. I know for 
For younger ones, it can be a stressful time. Um, younger ones maybe have a little anxiousness about going back. Some of them may be excited. Some of them may be worried and concerned. And then those that are starting college, I know that's a whole different, whole different ball game, and and their faith will be put to the test in a lot of ways, as as everyone's will. And um, our teachers serve a special role, as many of you know. I did ISS at East before. The church called me here, and so I don't know if anybody has my respect more than teachers now. They uh, bless them. And uh, if you're a school bus driver, then I, I appreciate you so very much. I'm, I'm retired now. Yeah. Um, but I uh, want to pray for them and, and uh, let them know we're behind them. So as we close out our service this morning, I'll lead us, but let's pray together and especially pray for these that will be going back to school. Father, we want to say we love you this morning. We thank you for your kindness. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you for the, the truth it gives us, Lord. Thank you for giving us something we can anchor ourselves in. Um, God, help us, or help us to live by your truth, Lord, and I pray that you'd help it to be alive in our hearts, God, that uh, the reality of wanting Jesus more than we would want anything else, Lord, as we see that the, the sinful woman I've referred to much this morning in Luke 7, God, she had come to that place. Lord, she wanted nothing more than Jesus. She did not want her, certainly did not want her sin anymore, her, her precious ointment. She did not want that. God, she wanted you. And Lord, I pray that you'd bring us each one to that place. God, whether we have been saved and maybe got away from the truth or maybe have lost the emphasis upon you, Lord, I pray that you'd bring our heart back to you. God, for the soul that might be lost, who is kind of like the Pharisee in that passage I've referred to this morning, Lord, who does not understand who Christ is and what he's done for them and does not see him as their only place of righteousness. God, I pray that you would make their heart aware of that this morning and bring salvation into their heart. God, for these that will be going back to school this week and maybe college students that have already returned and entered their, uh, their classes, I pray for them, Lord. I pray that you'd give them strength. Um, Lord, spiritually, God, there may be some lonely days, Lord, and as they try to live out their faith. God, there may be people who shun them, who who turn their back on them. Lord, there may be people who make fun of them. And I pray that in those situations, if they encounter them, you would give them strength. God, help their faith to be strong. Lord, help them to find rest, security, and in you. God, help them to see you as their fortress, their strong tower, the place they can run to when their heart is overwhelmed. And God, just in their studies, I pray that you would help their development. God, help their minds in comprehending all the things that they need to know and God, help them to carry their faith into the walls of their classroom, God, and, and be a light for you. Lord, help each teacher. God, help them to show forth the compassion of Christ. Lord, open up doors for them to be able to share the gospel and to share what drives their heart and to share what drives their love for those around them. And uh, Lord, help us as a church to support each one of those and each of those roles over the coming school year. And God, help us all as we go out about in our lives tomorrow, God, to serve you, to honor you. God, to live as the distinct people that you've called us to be. God, thank you for our justification in Christ, Lord, because if it was up to us, we could, we'd never have salvation. We'd never have righteousness. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for first loving us. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please remember to drop a rating and subscribe to get our latest audio.